The Penn State running back room might be in trouble. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions is sponsored by Simply Safe Home Security. With Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe, 24-7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege to learn more. I am your host Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on this newest edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. Today we are going to discuss the Penn State running back room and why the running back room could be in danger. The wide receivers that need to step up in the extended absence of Keandre Lambert Smith. And we'll finish by looking at a familiar Penn State foe, and that is Wisconsin. They made a big change firing head coach Paul Chris, and we kind of assess how that affects the Big Ten as a whole. Well, we start with the running back room, and the running backs have been great thus far compared to what they were a season ago when it wasn't really getting done with Kevon Lee and Noah Kane, and the offensive line didn't help out to that effect. But now a year later, the offensive line's better because they're used to the blocking scheme under Mike Yersich and Phil Troutwein, and you get two perennial top recruits in Nicholas Singleton, who is the Gatorade player of the year, so that means he was the best running back, the best high school football player in the entire United States, and then Catron Allen to go along with him, who was by no means a bad running back compared to Singleton. They are both top talents, and they're showing it as freshmen here in 2022. And let's begin with Catron Allen, because it was interesting that he missed the entire first half versus Northwestern. 21 carries, 86 yards, no touchdowns. He did have the fumble. Basically, every Penn State running back that saw the field on offense fumbled, and he had the one. Now, I suspect that he was suspended for the entire first half. I find it very weird that the reigning Big Ten Freshman of the Week goes without a single carry in a run-heavy offensive attack that day against Northwestern and doesn't play a single snap in the first half. Now, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, first, uh, Franklin's comments in the post-game press conference after Penn State beat Northwestern 17-7 He was directly asked about Catron Allen, and he said, look, I really don't like to comment on guys who are dealing with injuries or anything that's related to disciplinary actions. A a vague translation of what he said, but that's what it boiled down to. Franklin doesn't want to talk about injuries and guys who are essentially in the doghouse. Well, we know that Catron Allen isn't injured because he played the entire second half, And had 21 carries, which was the exact same amount as Nicholas Singleton, who started the game. So that tells me that if you bring that up unprovoked, then that means Catron Allen did something wrong. And it could have been anything to warrant a first-half suspension. It could have been curfew. It could have been missing something like a team meeting or being late to a team meeting, being late to class. Because James Franklin likes to emphasize being up front and being 10 minutes early for his lecture. Some professor might have gotten back to James Franklin and said, hey, Tron Allen missed this quiz or missed this test or missed this lecture, 
And it could be something so, in the scheme of things, insignificant. So not something serious that would warrant a harsh punishment because clearly he only missed the first half of a game against Northwestern. But that's a big deal. And hopefully Catron Allen learns from whatever mistake he made, but he's clearly not injured. So uh, I have to suspect that Franklin and the team suspended him for the first half against Northwestern. Again, same amount of carries as Singleton, despite missing the entire first half. They wanted him in the game plan, but they had to make an example. We discussed yesterday Devin Ford. He left the team to focus on academics, as Franklin shared in the post-game press conference. Part of that 2019 recruiting class, he was a former four-star recruit in his own right. This is a big deal because Devin Ford was a veteran presence, and now that veteran presence is lost. I have to think that Devin Ford probably did not like the role that he was in. And this wasn't exactly by choice. I think that Devin Ford went to J1 Sider, the running backs coach, James Franklin, Mike Yersich, and said, hey, how can I get on the field? How can I be more involved? And they probably looked at him and said, you know, like, hey, look, we're getting some really talented guys coming in and Singleton and Allen. So you're really going to have to reinvent yourself or compete with them head to head. Well, Ford decided to take that and reinvent himself, the first option. And at first it worked. He dropped, I think, 15 to 20 pounds, became more of a nimble, slot-back type of player. He was supposed to be that third-down receiving back, and he got in a fair amount of time, but still wasn't getting the reps, the targets that I he probably was expecting. He did what he had to do to remain relevant in the rotation, and it just didn't work out at the end of the day. It probably wore on him because Singleton and Allen just moved up the depth chart immediately, and Devin Ford probably just feels a little slighted in the fact that he put in all this additional work, he changed his game, and at the end of the day, it just wasn't going to work. Here's the thing with this, though. In in the game of football, at any point in time, especially at the running back room, running back is a very volatile position, meaning that you need depth because anything can happen on any given time because... At running back, you take a lot of hits. Other than offensive line, you're getting hit almost every single play if you're a running back. And injuries do happen, fumbles happen, and you need guys to be ready to go at any given time. That's why you have a running back rotation. You don't have that at quarterback. You don't have a quarterback rotation. You have a running back rotation. And I think Devin Ford kind of passed that up. I mean, if anything happens to Singleton Allen or Kevon Lee, his role would have been increased. And look at the Auburn game. His role was increased. Kevon Lee wasn't available, and Devin Ford got a majority of his playing time in that game alone. So I just find it really interesting. Maybe there's some other stuff going on. Maybe it is actually academics, and he wants to focus on his career now that he knows that maybe football isn't always going to be there. At the end of the day, I think he's burned out. And he wants to enter the transfer portal, but the portal is closed. Keziah Holmes did it before the season really got underway. It was late, but he was able to land at Florida State and basically just take this year to practice with the team, even though he couldn't play. And I think Devin Ford wanted that for himself, and he doesn't have that. Kevon Lee, he's now the veteran in the room, along with Tank Smith. Uh, Tank Smith vaults his way up to that number four spot in the running back rotation, but he's not the same talent level as a Catron Allen, Singleton, or Lee. And Lee looks okay after his leg injury against Auburn. I can't speculate what it was, if it was a knee or an ankle or a foot, but Kevon Lee is back and he's at least healthy for the moment. 
10 carries, 40 yards, no touchdowns, did have a fumble as well. Like I said, everybody who played against Northwestern at running back had a fumble that day. Now, Kevon Lee is significant in this conversation because there's the short term and the long term. The short term is Kevon Lee is going to be really valuable now that Devin Ford is no longer with the team. Your top three running backs are Allen, Singleton, and Lee. And, and Lee needs to be a part of that rotation in some shape or form. And he's probably still going to get some run throughout the season. Now, in the long term, my guess is, is that Kevon Lee does enter the transfer portal after this season. His timeline of being a redshirt sophomore, he's got the extra COVID year eligibility. He's probably not going to like being the number three running back from here on out. The guy who was the starter going into the season now loses out to both Singleton and Allen. And they're all on the same timeline right now because Singleton and Allen project to not be here after their junior seasons. Kevon Lee, that would mean that he's with them all the way up through his redshirt senior year. He's going to transfer. He's going to enter the portal. And I hope that he lands on his feet somewhere, but can't imagine him wanting to play third fiddle at this point. Back to Nicholas Singleton, who we brought up quite a lot in this show. 21 carries, 87 yards. He did have the one touchdown, which was a really just tough-nosed run. Was able to find the goal line, find the end zone, spun through, and just kept his feet going. Did have two fumbles. He had the most of any running back on Saturday against Northwestern. I, I will say this. He showed a lot of patience. A guy that has just been, all right, I'm going to hit the home run. I'm going to bounce it to the outside. And he didn't really do that. He kind of waited for plays to develop. He took his time. And it, and it showed. And that was something that J1 Sider had been critical of him, saying that the game moves a little too slow for him or that he moves too fast, if that's even possible. But Singleton moves too fast, and sometimes he has to slow it down and take a step back, and that's exactly what he did in this game. I'm not concerned about the fumbles. Uh, it was in the rain, and he's a freshman. I want him to make these mistakes now against Northwestern and not against Michigan or Ohio State or anybody else. Basically, you can do this again probably against Indiana, but that's about it. Now, I want to finish with a name that you're slowly going to get acquainted to, and that is London Montgomery. London Montgomery is actually a senior in high school, goes to Scranton Prep in Pennsylvania, and he's committed to the class of 2023 for Penn State. He's important because he can add to that depth a year from now, especially that you don't have Devin Ford back, and I expect Kevon Lee to enter the transfer portal. If Lee doesn't enter the transfer portal and sticks around for a little longer, I applaud him for that to try to stick around, but I just can't imagine him doing that. It's the same thing with Christian Veyer now that Drew Aller and Bo Prabula are in the room. Why would you want to stay and be a backup when you think that you can start somewhere else? And I know that those guys can start somewhere else. So Montgomery is a senior in high school right now, a three-star running back, a four-star in some places depending where you look. I think extremely underrated as a prospect. But, and I don't like commenting on injuries at the high school level, he did tear his ACL and he's missing his entire senior season. Why is that significant? Well, next year when Singleton and Allen are your only two viable running backs, Montgomery comes in, but he's going to need some progress. He's going to take some time. And I imagine that he redshirts next year as opposed to coming in and playing right away given the injury. He might recover just fine and be and be all good and well at the end of the day, but it's going to take time. 
He's also the only running back committed in this class. Now, Penn State was targeting two guys. One of them was Trayon Webb. He ended up committing to Florida, even though he was projected to Penn State. But that is a big deal when you only have Singleton and Allen realistically going into next year. And Montgomery, I think, will be a good piece long term. But it is going to take some time to recover from an injury like that, especially as a running back. We've seen what happened to Noah Kane. He's doing just fine, actually, at LSU, if you've been following that. He's doing all right. He's scoring some touchdowns, making some big plays. LSU's winning some football down in the SEC. They just beat Auburn, actually. I mean, I know that doesn't take a lot right now, but they did beat Auburn. But that is the state of the running back room. Uh, Singleton and Allen are up top, don't get me wrong, but in the short term, they lost, They took a huge hit in depth with Devin Ford, and I think they're going to take an even bigger hit this offseason if and when Kevon Lee enters the transfer portal. So it's just a position to keep an eye on. You just, you just hope they all stay healthy and are at the top of their game at all times. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why people love it. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, door, and window. HD security cameras from inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. And even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, or other threats to your home. Their monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There is no safe like Simply Safe. When we return here on Locked On Nittany Lions, we discuss the wide receiver position. K. Andre Lambert Smith had to leave the game against Northwestern. What that means for the Penn State team next. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Let's talk about the wide receiver room. Keandre Lambert-Smith, quality athlete, quality pass catcher, could miss time. He left the Northwestern game, uh, was helped off the field, and was seen in a walking boot on the sideline. This would be a big loss to the passing attack for Penn State. Keandre Lambert-Smith is important because he's not necessarily the best receiver of this group. There's Mitchell Tinsley, there's Parker Washington, there's Brenton Strange. But Keandre Lambert-Smith can get open on his own. And what it was doing was forcing defenses to single cover each of those receivers I just named. On the season, he had nine receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. That touchdown came against Purdue. That was easily his best performance. But like I said, when the Purdue defense started focusing on Strange and started focusing on Tinsley and Parker Washington, it allowed Keandre Lambert-Smith to get open. And now you don't have that anymore at least for the time being. We don't know how serious it is, but it is something to just monitor and keep an eye on. Who steps up in the absence of a Keandre Lambert-Smith? The first one is Trey Wallace. Harrison Wallace the third. he goes by Trey. Trey Wallace is the 
immediate answer because he's right behind him on the depth chart. A former three-star receiver, class of 2021. So far this year, seven receptions, 86 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, you've seen him on and off the field, even with Keanu Lambert-Smith in there. Wallace played almost the entire time once KLS was off the field against Northwestern, and I expect him to see his role increase throughout the season, but he is definitely that fourth target. Uh, Brenton Strange would be above him as a tight end. In terms of pass catchers, it's still Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, Brenton Strange, uh, Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace would be the last person that Sean Clifford would throw to with all those guys on the field. The next man up would be Jaden Dotton, four-star wide receiver, member of the class of 2020, and he's a big target. Uh, Dotton had actually rave reviews in the offseason, but he is lower on the depth chart. I do like him as an option to have that competition with Trey Wallace. Maybe they battle it out a little more in practices leading up to each game. This bye week is very important because you can see, okay, is it going to be Wallace's job to lose, or is Dotton going to split some reps with him at the position? He's a bigger receiver at six foot three, and just from what I've heard about him progressing and being a better weapon offensively, he had a good blue and white game. That's the spring game. I know it doesn't matter at this point in time, but... He's someone to keep an eye on that could supplant Wallace if Wallace isn't expected, isn't playing as he's expected to. The next pass catcher that would step up in the absence of Keandre Lambert-Smith is Theo Johnson, and this is more of a pipe dream for me. I have to preface it because Theo Johnson, I thought, was going to set the world on fire this year. Former four-star tight end, 97 out of 100 according to 24-7 Sports when he was a recruit. And he just hasn't had the career at Penn State that you would have thought he had. He's still an incredible athlete. He's huge. He's athletic. He's nimble. And Brenton Strange has solidified that number one tight end. But here's where the pipe dream is for me. What if Penn State starts to use more two tight end sets in the passing attack like they did to open up the season last year? I think Theo Johnson's still a red zone threat just waiting to happen. But Penn State hasn't been using him that way. I know he's been injured the first few weeks. He came back against Auburn. He played against Central Michigan and played last week against Northwestern, I just think he could be utilized. I think he's a better pass catcher than Trey Wallace or Jaden Dotton, but he's not at that same position. He is the second tight end, and you're going to have to use more two tight end sets. I'm not going to go through every single wide receiver, but I could name them all. You know, you want Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington to just step up and be bigger assets on offense. They're already doing that. And the other receivers that are behind them, Caden Saunders, Amari Evans, Malik Mega, they don't play that same X-wide receiver position that Keandre Lambert-Smith does. So naturally, yeah, all the wide receivers got to pick up some slack with KLS being off the field. But in the immediate, it's going to be Trey Wallace and Jaden Dotton because they back up Keandre Lambert-Smith. And all those other guys just have to do what they're responsible for. I do want to clarify this about the wide receiver position. It's not like Madden. It's not like a video game where you have a one through six wide receiver core, right? There's an X, there's a Y, and there's a Z. Keandre Lambert-Smith is the X. Parker Washington's the Y, and Mitchell Tinsley is the Z. And then all those three wide receiver positions are completely different from one another. So even though, let's just take for an example, right? Caden Saunders, let's just say he's the fourth best receiver in the room. But 
he's going to go on the field when Parker Washington comes off because he is the second slot. He's not going to go in when Keandre Lambert-Smith goes down because that's a different wide receiver position. They're all unique, and they all have to study those wide receiver positions as is. That's why they brought Mitchell Tinsley in the transfer portal because Jahan Dotson left. Jahan Dotson was the Z, and they didn't have another Z that they felt comfortable with. So they went out, and they got Mitchell Tinsley. I don't think the wide receiver position's doomed by any means, but they're all going to have to pick up some slack with Keandre Lambert-Smith going down to injury. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Sacom. When we return, Wisconsin fired head coach Paul Crisp, what that means for the Big Ten, and how it affects Penn State. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. Paul Crist is out at Wisconsin. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, is going to take over. He's in his mid-30s. College programs are trying to look for that next young guy to build the program, somebody that relates better to the players. This is interesting, though, because Wisconsin was winning for the most part. Uh, they started out 2-3 and three this year. They did lose 34-10. to 10. Uh, to Illinois, and I find that kind of ironic that Paul Chris gets fired after the coach he essentially takes over for. Now, Brett Bielema was a while ago and took the job willingly at Arkansas, and it didn't work out. Then Gary Anderson took over for two years, was let go, and Paul Chris came back, and he was formerly the offensive coordinator. Like, he eats, breathes, and sleeps Wisconsin football. And they let him go. It's been his job since 2015, and they said, we're not winning enough. Paul Chris is a Madison native. He's a Wisconsin alum. He spent 33 of his 56 years of life either in town as a kid, a Wisconsin Badgers quarterback, or the Wisconsin coach. He was 67-26. and 26. Overall, 43-18 and 18 in the Big Ten. He won three Big Ten West titles and two New Year's Six Bowls, and he was a two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year. Does this sound like a resume that deserves a termination? 
I thought this was interesting that came out in the news and it shows how good of a person Paul Christ is. Per his contract, his buyout was $19.5 million. Athletic director Chris McIntosh said on Sunday that he and Chris negotiated a figure significantly less than that. So Chris is allowing them the money to either continue to build the football program or go after a coach that suits them better. That's how much Paul Chris wants this Wisconsin program to succeed. Another interesting comparison that he's been drawing is Bo Pelini and how Nebraska was like, you're not winning enough. We're going to let you go. Nine and three seasons aren't good enough for us. And that's essentially what Paul Chris was doing outside of a couple seasons where they made the Rose Bowl, uh, where they were dominant in the Big Ten. As of late, they really haven't. They put together some nine win seasons. Last year, they were a little underwhelming, but they still went to a bowl game. But Bo Pelini's record at Nebraska from 2008 to 2014 was 66 and 27. Guess what Paul Chris was at Wisconsin? 67 and 26. Literally a game difference. You honestly can't make it up. Paul Chris gets fired after winning 67 games at Wisconsin, and that's third all time for the Badgers. And the guy above him is Brett Bielema, who won 68 games with Wisconsin, and then. Illinois just absolutely annihilated Wisconsin this year, 34-10, and Brett Bielema is now the head coach of Illinois. So talk about some crazy coincidences and everything else. This is going to be an interesting decision because if Wisconsin believes that Jim Leonard's the guy and that he can build the program and be the head coach, it's tough. You, you are leading a program. It's more than just being about a head coach and X's and O's. You have to build a foundation, recruit guys, rather than just being an influencer on decisions. You now make the decision. And if you believe that Jim Leonard's that guy, kudos to you. Notre Dame's doing that with Marcus Freeman. And Marcus Freeman has showed that he's a great players coach, but how's he going to be as a program developer? How's he going to be the CEO of Notre Dame football? Essentially what this is. And that's what James Franklin is, the CEO of Penn State football. It's tough to do. National championships are hard to come by. I don't see anywhere why Paul Chris deserved to be fired. Sure, did they slow down a little bit, but everybody has a down year. It's Wisconsin's decision. They're on the Big Ten West. I hope they do away with divisions when USC and UCLA come over because it is just embarrassing how bad the Big Ten West is compared to the East. And I think Wisconsin's going to take a major step backwards. Wisconsin needs to know that it has an identity, and that is that ground-and-pound, hard-nosed football. They're not going to be a flashy, spread-it-out type of offense, go fast pace, whatever have you. It is traditional, your grandfather's father's type of football. And that's okay. That's the brand. That is Wisconsin Badger football. Maybe Jim Leonard keeps that going, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he brings in guys that fit the new age of football, and it's spread them out and everything else. I think they're making the wrong decision, but that's just me. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Everyday host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That's Locked On Big Ten. And I kind of did a little bit of their job today here in the episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. But it's relevant and it's important news given that it happens in the middle of the season. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks for joining me. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Tomorrow, even though James Franklin doesn't have a press conference this week, we are going to look at his post-game presser from the game against Northwestern because he addresses the game itself. 
Michigan coming up after the bye week, what they need to do during this bye week, and all of the other things we've talked about with Devin Ford and the running backs. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll talk to you tomorrow on Locked On Nittany Lions.